and the oarsman cursed. The litany of sea areas he recited to himself as he rowed was more familiar to him than the multiplication tables he'd learnt at school. But channel light vessel automatic? It was the thin end of the wedge, a wedge that had now been driven home. Still, it was too late to grumble about all that, too late to cherish comfortable dreams of the distant future. The future was here. He suspected that what really rattled him was the prospect of his failure to make those long-held dreams come true. The bows of the clinker-built skiff met the pebbles of the shore with a sliding crunch. The rower shipped the oars and heaved the boat a yard or two further up the shingle bank. He looked up at the sky, as blue as a heron's egg, with just the occasional wisp of cloud. A perfect April day. A perfect day to begin a different life. Chapter One, Start Point Will Elliot pulled off the thick, grey, hand-knitted fisherman's sweater that had kept out the chill April air on his half-hour passage across an unusually calm Pencurno Cove. He tied its sleeves around his waist, checked that the skiff was well clear of the tide line, and began the climb up the shingle bank. It was a strange feeling. For the first time in his life, there was no grid to his day, no timetable that would tell him where to be and when, just a clear sky and a clean slate. He felt half elated, half terrified at the prospect, glancing back at the lighthouse on the other side of the bay to make sure it was still there, even though it need no longer concern him. As he crunched up the shore, his welly-booted feet sinking deep into the shingle and slowing his progress, he made a mental checklist of the positive aspects of his future. First, he would stay in Cornwall, for the time being at least, coping with a new set of people and a new place all at once held no appeal. And anyway, he loved this outpost at the toe of Britain, where the sea and the rugged coastline appealed to his solitary nature. He might have spent just a sixth of his life here, but he felt Cornish now, not Oxonian. He had to find a boat. If the dream was to become reality, he'd better get it soon. Put that sort of thing off and you might just slide into indolence. That scared him more than anything. And he didn't want to live in a house, certainly not one without a view of the sea, and those with sea views in this part of the world were beyond his means. The logistics of his plans swam around in his head, as did his concerns as to whether or not he'd thought this thing through properly. The boat he would buy would probably need attention before he set off. With the amount of money he had to spend, he was unlikely to find a vessel in the first flush of youth. While he repaired it, in readiness for the grand voyage, he'd have to find some way of earning a living. With any luck, he'd be able to sell his little boats, but for how much? He'd started making his scale models of local boats, the clinker-built rowing boats they called Cornish Cobles, during his first winter at the lighthouse. Ernie had told him he'd need something to occupy himself on dull, uneventful shifts, and Will had found that his steady hand, keen eye, 
and irritating perfectionism had suited him well to a hobby he'd previously regarded as the province of sad old men whose idea of excitement would be watching the bacon slicer in the Penzance co-op. He'd never make a fortune with his models, but then he only wanted enough for food and drink and a book or two. The days of high ambition were long gone, with another life, in another place, with another person. Now he had to be positive. There were a few thousand pounds in the building society, and the small legacy left to him by his Aunt Alice the previous November should see him all right for the big boat at least. Lucky, and unusually well-timed. Thirty thousand would hopefully get him something without too many holes in it. But it was all so iffy. He reached the top of the bank and struck out for the lane that led to the village. He